Welcome everyone back to the Brocast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? Great, Dave. Little pina colada just floating in my pool right now. Oh, can you, yeah. hear, can you hear the waves? Yeah, totally. Okay. Totally. Yeah. No, I can I can I can hear the Jimmy Buffett in the background. <laughs> I'm not Jimmy. I'm not a Jimmy Buffett kind of guy. No. Do I look like a Jimmy Buffett guy kind of you? Uh, no, no, okay. I don't think I've ever seen you in a Hawaiian shirt. I do not own one. I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've ever owned one. Wow, you've oh, never maybe come back on. like maybe in high school in the seventies. Yeah, probably. Come on. Everyone's yeah, no. owned a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, yeah. Back yeah. in the seventies, yeah, yeah. I did have a whole array, but since I was a real adult, no. Yeah, yeah, no. As a kid, it was sort of my formal wear. Do you own one right now? Um, no, I don't own a Hawaiian shirt. I haven't in some time. People, please at Dave to have a picture of him in a Hawaiian shirt, please. Yeah, I need to get back to it. It was uh, it was definitely my vibe at one time. It would look, you know, you. I fit it. Beard, I fit it. I fit you, it. You look like you'd be like one of those guys who lives on one of the outer shores of a uh-huh. Hawaiian island yep. who's kind of just gone off the grid yep yeah yeah i like yep. it failed yeah. in many many ways and is just you know playing out the string yeah with his metal detector totally yep. totally well here we are um we uh we've got a lot to talk about today um I wanna, we do we wanted to I, I wanted to i wanted to talk about our manship kelly <laughs> i know that you did because so i tracy uh yes. at first i'm gonna, I'm gonna give tracy some pub uh, okay. Tracy did a did a did a fantastic job. So sometimes sometimes we don't do so great of a job when we're interviewing a coach. Sometimes we do a great job. Tracy did a fantastic job on Tuesday uh, interviewing Chip Kelly in the pre practice. A lot of times those things are like pulling teeth and they're tough to watch, uh, mostly because of the way Chip Kelly answers questions. This one was enlightening for several different reasons. Uh, one, the Mike Martinez news, but then Tracy. Um, starts to work through the list of walk-ons, which is a subject we've been uh, essentially asking Chip about in various forms for like two and a half weeks now. Um, just, uh, are, are you going to put some new guys on scholarship? How many guys do you have on scholarship right now? And it's come out that um, we have the count, or we had the count at around 73, and he said, well, we're going to be close to full by the start of the season. And that's not because they're taking a bunch of new transfers, obviously. <laughs> it's because they're adding scholarships to walk-ons. Great opportunity to publicize some feel-good stories, right? Right? Uh, you would say over the last few years, some of the best publicity that's come out of the UCLA football program are, are their walk-ons uh, performing at a very high level as scholarship players. Uh, if you Kelly, are a walk-on. Ethan Fernia. Uh, uh, oh, oh my God, Greg Dulcich. Yeah. Okay. So I got a side note because that's a great point right there. I got a side note before we even get into the main thrust of the discussion. Okay. If 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 UCLA has a successful brand, if there's a if there's any kind of successful brand at this point, it's the goddamn walk on development. Yeah. 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 So wouldn't uh, you know? I've been trying to think of. I know what you're asking. Why would he not want to keep that? So well, anyway, make that public. Yeah. Main thrust is uh, Chip uh, Tracy finally essentially pins him down and asks him first Hudson Habermill is he on scholarship? Chip says yes. 
Shea Pitts, is he on scholarship? Chip says yes. Then they go down a few more lists of names. Tracy chimes in, Sam from SI chimes in, Ben chimes in from the LA Times. And eventually Chip obviously gets frustrated and says, you know, we'll 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 give you guys we'll we'll tell you when it happens. Uh, you know, you guys can go down this list, but I'll I'll tell you when it happens. And then you ask, well, when did Hudson Habermill and Shea Pitts happen? In the spring. But you didn't tell us, Chip. You 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 didn't you didn't share that information. And then he's like, well, you, you guys hadn't asked yet. So, so, so we do have to ask to get that information. So what and we're doing right now is yeah. fine because that's what has to happen to and get this information out that's all we wanted to know. What, what was, uh, what's the whole basis here for find, finding out? And, you know, I want to say I, I don't like uh, gotcha journalism. It, it kind of it kind of bugs me, and, and it, it irks me in a lot of different ways. Um, sometimes it's necessary to confront someone just to get information that I think, you know, uh, the public has a right to hear. And uh, there's a lot of uh, obfuscation of that within the uh, with the UCLA football program with the media. Uh, getting a number of scholarships, while it's not a huge thing, it is kind of critical because there's so many things tied into it. How many scholarships they actually have to give in recruiting, you know, and, and it's it's generally great PR. I mean, most other programs have a big video when a guy's awarded a, uh, awarded a scholarship. So um, I, I didn't want, I didn't do it on purpose to try to get a gotcha at him. I just think it's vital information that we need to know it's not giving away state secrets and they've been very evasive uh, about it well and and and, and you didn't get him he got himself right like what uh, this is that's what i was saying dave this was not it was unnecessary it was a complete own goal for no reason yeah and this is probably my biggest because um, everybody has their beefs, um, him being kind of a jerk and answering questions, yada, yada, yada. Like, whatever. I mean, lots of coaches are jerks. Mora, Mora would be good, and then he'd be very bad day to day. It just kind of depends on his mood. With Chip, I don't really necessarily mind him being a jerk, though it's not great. It's this reflexive contrarianism where – and I speak from experience as a little bit of a contrarian, but I do it in more of a um, – uh, devil's advocate kind of way. And I and I acknowledge what I'm doing when I'm doing it. His is reflexive, and he ties himself in knots, and this isn't the first time that he has tied himself into such a knot where he is saying something that is... It's not a lie, but it's the opposite of truth. It's the... It's the um, it's the opposite of what he intends um, because he is so committed to just denying the validity of what you might be asking about. Um, and it is so obnoxious. I, that's and I, I, I that that may sound harsh, but well, it's just you know it's just it functionally obnoxious. You know why it is too. I, I don't think it's necessarily trying to keep everything secret. No, I, I think there's a little bit of a condescension that's going on. Yes, too. And, and that's the thing that's kind of that's really irksome. Um, you know, it's happened before when, you know, I've asked him about the will linebacker and he said, we don't have a will. And then the players called it a will. Uh, same with the striker. Situation. There was a question. I, no, no, you, you did this exact. There was a very similar situation when you asked about the zone read 
yeah. um, in year one or year two. And he's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. What kind of reads? And then literally, literally in like the next answer, he referred to the zone read. And then the thing about, I asked him about the Will linebacker spot and he had said, I don't know what you're talking about. And then a year later, this last spring or something, we heard him out on the field when we were watching. He's all, hey, they, they, you know, he was calling for someone to join a rep. He said, I need a Will linebacker out here. <laughs> so I'm not, it's not, there isn't resentment. This is not driven by that. It's just, I don't know where, uh, well, let's get back to what I was saying first. I don't know why you would want to keep the fact that you, that a player has earned a, a scholarship, a walk-on player, why you would want to keep that secret. I, I mean, maybe you want to keep it secret because you want recruits out there to think there's a wide open path to playing time among scholarship players at your position. But I mean, remember Chip says he doesn't think ahead and does he think that much about recruiting to begin with? So I, I don't know if that's it. I don't know what this is, if it's just what you're saying, contrarianism, or just that little bit of condescension. I don't know, but it makes things really difficult where they shouldn't be difficult. And that's, yeah, it's, that's the regrettable part. Exactly. It's just, a, it's an own goal. For, it's just, there's no reason for it. Um, and it just serves to make life harder. And this kind of goes, you know, people make a lot of efficiency arguments with Chip, that he's this very efficient guy, you know, that these, that everything is designed around, you know, minute efficiency. There is nothing efficient about that media session every yeah. week. There's yeah. nothing efficient about it because he won't answer simple questions simply. Yeah. It's, a, it's a simple question. Even if you don't want to publicize it, it's a simple question. Hey, have you put any walk-ons on scholarship since the spring? Or however we asked the question the first time. Yeah, I have. Here's, here's the list of names that we've put on scholarship. And if you don't want to be expansive about it, don't be expansive about it. But you can at least yeah. concede the information that is going to come out at one time or another. Or if it doesn't, you, all you're doing is creating a stink. By uh, So if you had asked Hudson Habermill, is he on scholarship? We're not going to divulge that information. Well, that's a bizarre response. <laughs> Why? Um, and so it's just – it's. It's poorly thought through. It's or not thought through at all. That's why I keep thinking it's reflexive. Like that yeah. it's just it's because there isn't a good reason. The the best like if I was trying to, you know, steel man the other side of this, right? If I was trying to devil's advocate at it and say, okay, there's a reason Chip's doing this, it would be because well, it's probably reflecting poorly on me that I have to give out ten scholarships to walk ons this year. Like that that we have that much availability, so I don't necessarily want that out there. But like if this was a court of law, he opened it up when he said, well, we'll be at 85. Uh, he's the one who opened up the questioning. The judge would have said, I could I could follow up with questions. Yeah, <laughs> he's the but, one who opened but, up but, that line. And this is why I go back to reflexive, reflexive, reflexive contrarianism. He said that, and they may or may not be at 85 by the start of the year. But the reason he said that is because the question assumed they were at 73. And so he has yeah. to be contrarian. He has to say, no, 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 we're going to be close to 85 by the start of the year. And I just want to repeat again, I don't take pleasure in making Chip Kelly uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. Actually, by the time I'm done a little, I don't have any regrets. I'm not ever going to say that. But I, I feel that I, I didn't like doing that to him. I don't want to do that. And it, again, it's just so unnecessary. Just give us the information. That's pretty basic, really basic stuff. And we don't have to go through this. So 
that's that's I have no I have no problem with any kind of coaches being a little bit rude or curt or gruff. I mean, come on. I'm in this business. I'm not going to get my feelings hurt if someone's I mean, Jim Morris sometimes could change with the wind. He could be so friendly and the next day really be kind of uh, bordering on rude with you. We got to share we got to share more of those stories at some point. <laughs> I don't care about rudeness. It's just about the information is is what it is. So Yeah, no, and I'm yeah. with you. I mean, I I I my general thing is I don't think it serves him. I don't think it, it serves the serve program in yeah. any way. Um, I think it, it, it can be, you know, I think he's got an element where if he embraced it a little bit differently, he could be kind of funny doing it. And that, you know, and I think Chip's kind of funny. He There's can be. He That's the thing. You can be kind of a, you can be kind of a dick if you're funny about it, but yeah. most of the time yeah. it's not funny. And so it's just all these other things where it's just like, this is unnecessary. Um, and it's obviously unnecessary for him too, because in so many other types of availabilities, he can be. Um, if not expansive, at least, um, you know, decently friendly and interesting. Um, See, that's, that's what's interesting. That's what's amazing in, in topics where he feels comfortable. It's really interesting to listen to him. It, it can be very, very interesting. So I don't know why you, you, I don't know. Uh, and you would think UCLA, there'd be people at UCLA who would be telling him, you know these things, but I, I don't blame know if, I blame New Hampshire. I don't know if there is. Yeah, yeah. let's blame that. Yeah, blame but um, so yeah, there's a lot to talk about, and uh, you wanted to talk a little bit more, given this kind of is a segue launch into the state of the program, uh, not the culture, not all that, but where we sit going into the 2022 season, because I think we're at a very interesting spot. Yes. Um, for there's a couple of, and I'm just going to lay this out in bullet points, and then we can discuss details. Uh, why I think this is interesting is there, there. I've heard a lot of things. First off, but even things that are public, um, you can say Chip Kelly has made it pretty clear. Not well, he's at least strongly hinted that he's he's not in this for the long term. Uh, the way he's been, the way he's recruiting, how he's. Re how he's answered our questions about transfer recruiting, how he's answered other uh, interviewers' uh, answers about recruiting that. it's it's Well, we'll get into that more about development and literally building a roster right in the moment. There's that. There's also what kind of clicks into place into the puzzle was the contract, the, I'm, I'm using air quotes, the extension that Chip Kelly signed what I don't even know a few months ago that Martin Jarman negotiated with them. There are a lot of indications here that there is a possibility that Chip Kelly does not consider himself long for the UCLA job. Yeah, I think it's obvious at this point. Um, the, the the so there's all of the what you just laid out, which I think is exactly correct, and what he said explicitly. But just the approach. Um, if you. Uh, this is where, like, the cognitive dissonance, and I just published the story this afternoon. Um, well, I'm re recording this on Wednesday. Actually, I have no idea when we're going to publish it. Probably tomorrow morning. Could be today. Could, Could be, be today. Tomorrow. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I just put up a story uh, kind of assessing those first two classes because the Mike Martinez news sort of put to bed a little bit of the 2018-2019 classes. And the theory of the case 
at the beginning, if you remember back to the beginning, was all this program building and development stuff. Development. Right? Yeah. You were yep. going to get these big people beating up little people, and you were going to get them in the program. Uh, essentially, the Hudson Haber Mill. Uh, or, you know, just get a bunch of 6'6 six, six dudes and turn them into football players. Um, and that was the theory of the case. And over the last two cycles, especially, uh, it has changed drastically um, into this transfer portal model. The transfer portal rewards short timing. It does not reward program building. Uh, you hit or you miss. And if you miss, uh, you're, you're going to have a bad team that year. There's another scenario that in its massive Vegas rolling the dice. Where exactly. You, you, I'm doing air quotes again. Can everyone see them? You're building a roster literally every spring. Yeah, you're the, you're you're yeah. you're building the airplane in flight. Yes, um, and, that's a good way to put it. That's a great analogy. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, it's and it's um, it's the it's the work of somebody who does not plan to be here long uh, because yeah. he's it's it's essentially going for the quick fix, the quick hit to try to um, you know put together one really good season and then parlay it into something. Um, that's that's my read of it at any rate. Yeah. Another thing that supported that in an interview, I think within a week and a half ago, he did actually, he threw out that he wouldn't be here in five years. Right. And his contract is extended. I think it's another five years, if I remember. I remember some details, but it's it's not just a two year extension. This is a four or five year extension. But he kind of said, well, you know, and I won't even, we won't even be here in five years or something. So he is saying that. So I think this gives us, we, you and I, and because the, the bro fans want to know what we think about what's happening with the program heading into the Big Ten. There are some scenarios. Uh, let's just go over those scenarios. He, he wins big. Chip Kelly wins big this year. Uh, wins at least 10 games. Competes with the Pac-12 championship or beyond even that, right? Right. Um he doesn't win big. There's that middle ground. Let's say that could be eight and four, or given given he's in his fifth year and the schedule, that could be nine and three also. Nine and three, I think, is middle ground for me. Or seven and five or, or worse than that. Those are the scenarios of what could happen. In each one of those, and given in the context of what Chip Kelly has said and, and indicated and the contract, which we can go over, we'll go over also. There's a very real possibility. I think, the, like you said, the percentages, there's a high percentage that he might not be here at the end of the season and, or, and, or, or at the end of the next season. That con Let's talk about the contract. That contract was written as really a two-year contract. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. He was given an extension. Uh, but they, <laughs> he's getting paid less this year than he was in the last year of the previous contract. So he, there's a pay cut. The, the buyout went, it was $9 million, remember, and they signed this contract the day before it was going to zero. But if you're going to give an extension, you had to give a buyout. So the typical buyouts are pretty hefty these days. This buyout right now is at $4 million dollars if they fired him the day after the 2022 season and then remember that ridiculous date january 15th yeah yeah it's now december for him to get his million dollar bonus he has to be retained as of december 15th uh 
the season is usually over by the end of November, or you uh, you got a bowl game. But so then after that, if oh by the way, if Kelly leaves any time right now, he owes like up until the end of this season, he owes UCLA one point five million dollars, right? So then after before December twenty twenty three. After that season of 2023, if they let him go, the buyout is zero. So this thing is made for two years at most and potentially one year. I don't know if it's necessarily in there for even just to fire him, even though it makes it a lot easier. It's also designed if Chip Kelly leaves. And I have to think when everyone was ruminating on this and about what athletic director Martin Jarman was thinking when he made this contract. Thinking about it now in the context of the Big Ten deal. Wow, it's you you think about it a lot, it's a it's a pretty smart little piece of a document there. I'd have to think Martin Jarman knew what he was doing because at the time he's sitting there, he doesn't have the money really to hire a new coach, given the salaries that were getting thrown around at that time. Didn't have the money. UCLA was in debt uh, in so many different ways. But he might have looked forward, not just thinking about that day, but looking forward, thinking about, we could have some money from the Under Armour, and maybe he might have known that there was a potential Big Ten deal coming up, you know, potential for it coming down the pipe that he would be able to have some money to afford a new coach. You'd have to think that might have been considered. I'm not hinting that I know that it is. I am, this is pure speculation, but some people I know who are pretty smart are speculating about it also. Right. So there are a lot of things in place that you just don't feel Chip Kelly We'll be here that long, one or two years. Yeah, and, and I would say with with Jarmon, either way, it was a it, it's the smartest version of an extension that you could have had. Um, I think there still would have been an argument to uh, just call it a day at that point. But if you're going to extend him, it was without a doubt the smartest version of what an extension would look like. It's not more money. And it fixes the buyout problems. Um, yeah. It just drastically increases your flexibility um, and prepares for what is, uh, I think, going to be kind of the reality of the situation, which is this year. I mean, we can only go by what we saw in the spring because we're getting 20 minutes of basically nothing at the start of every fall practice. But going by the spring, the team still looks, you know, pretty good. Uh, not, not maybe not quite as uh, good as last year. Certainly not as talented. Uh, maybe a little bit more depth at some spots. Maybe some things on defense that are fixing some things. But you know, still a decent enough roster. The schedule's really easily. Uh, it's hard to imagine them having a bad year this year. Um, and I think you know, now for me, a, a bad year might also include eight and four. Uh, but nine and three seems really, really doable. And in that case. Eh, it might be hard politically to fire him. Might just, you know, it might be. But the year after that, they're going to lose a lot. Um, and building in, even if you're taking out um, what you think about Chip, uh, like what his commitment level is and everything else, just looking at the next two years, the landscape, 
2023 could be a tough season. You know, you're going to lose Dorian Thompson Robinson. You're more than likely going to lose Zach Charbonnet. You're going to lose a lot on the offensive line. Um, it's going to be a rebuild, and they're not reloading in high school, so it's going to require a big, big transfer class. Um, and that might not work out. And if that's all the case, then you've built in that flexibility to take care of it after 2023, regardless of what was going on with the Big Ten. Um, I, I think, you know, it, yeah. it was a it was a smart extension, whichever kinda, way you slice it. Kind of coincidental, though, that that contract is built for two years and it coincides with yeah, no, this deal, you know, happening in two years. Um, I want to I want to just say too, we are not advocating that Chip Kelly is fired. We're just working out the scenarios. I think, given how he's been speaking, given the contract, given uh, uh, I think like what Dave just said, it's hard. It's it's difficult to envision what the what the roster would look like in 2023, mostly because it's going to be built on transfers, and that's a crapshoot. It just feels like they're that Chip Kelly is not, <laughs> and this is ironic because he always says he's all about today, but he's not looking down the line uh, for, in terms of his roster and his program. He literally is saying in in interviews now, you you development all of that is is gone. We've changed the model. We're not looking really to develop. We're looking to bring in players right now that can play. Um, that's a huge shift, like you said. But given all of this, all the potential scenarios of what the outcome could be this season, there's a good chance that Chip Kelly isn't here in 2023. And there's a good chance that he isn't here after the 2023 season. So... If he does do really well, let's say he goes 11 and one, wins the Pac-12, and he decides he wants to stay, great, excellent. That will help the transfer portal. So he'll be able to recruit better. Maybe he'll be able to put a better roster together for 2023. So this is all upside, guys. This is what we're saying to you. This is all good. Um, and uh, I've been talking with some people out there in different industries, like the agent industry, some media guys too. And their feeling, getting some feedback from their own industry, is that the UCLA job now would become a very attractive one for for coaches. Um, you'd have Big Ten money. You'd be playing in the Big Ten uh, without having to live in snow. You'd be, you'd be in the Big Ten, but sitting on one of the biggest recruiting bases in the country. Uh, it would be a prime time job is generally the feeling I, this is, I believe this, but I've heard it now from enough people who, whose opinions over the year, you know, I've broken some news about some things in the industry before. Th these are these sources who are saying it's going to be a desirable job. It was especially, here's the, here's the best scenario of Chip Kelly leaves. Chip Kelly goes out a winner. It, then that would make it an even more desirable job. So every way I look at this, I, I see some optimism here. I, I, I see it all as the UCLA football program potentially moving into a, a new era, that there's a good chance there's a new era of success that we're going to be seeing. Got to love it. <laughs> Got to love it. Got to love it. Um, 
given how this year works with that, I mean, I'll just, I'll come out and say it. I don't think this team, from what we've seen in spring and what we know about the roster, uh, I, given the record, I mean, the record, the, the schedule, UCLA should be pretty good. I would, if there's anything less than nine wins, that's disappointing. And even nine wins, like I said, you could, once we check out all these opponents, we might be questioning even nine wins. But nine and three would be something phenomenal compared to what we've been used to for the last six years. So the most amazing thing, though, is if we're talking about, let's talk a little bit about where Chip Kelly has gone with this program. When he first started he basically blew out the entire roster, started over, had two pretty miserable losing seasons to start it out. And right now you would say in year five, even though this team should win, it's really not where it should be in year five. When it comes to talent level, depth, it's it's comparable to was it what it was in year four. Go back to the beginning of this very podcast. 73 scholarships before handing out a bunch to walk-ons. And yeah, yeah. we like some of the walk-ons. Uh, I don't like 10 of them. Yeah. So uh, is the roster better than when he first started out? Well, of course. He was just starting he was just starting out and he let like, uh, you know, no. 50 scholarship guys. But now in his 5th year, we spent the last podcast trying to remind and I wrote a story trying to remind all UCLA fans just what the UCLA football program is in the the world of college football. It's a top 15 to top 20 program. That's what it is. You should be competing right now, I think, in your fifth year, your Chip Kelly, you should be a clear one of the top two favorites to win the Pac-12 championship, uh, a favorite for a major bowl game, not where everyone's thinking, you know, they could go eight and four, you know, with a really soft schedule. It's not where it should have been. Um, there just isn't enough talent on the roster in year five. Yeah. Can you say? No, I mean, there it's, it's, um, it's a lack of top end talent. Um, like if you're going through this and I, you know, this isn't to like single anyone out, but if you're going through this, I mean, where are the NFL guys? So starting at, I don't know, receiver. Um, I don't know. Do you think Jake Bobo is an NFL player? Uh, marginal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Casimir Allen will get a shot. Yeah. Um, tight end, we'll see. Um, we haven't, like, literally there's three total catches for that entire group. I mean, we like some of them. Offensive line, I don't I don't see a whole lot of obvious NFL. Yeah. Um, so, no. Dorian will get a shot, obviously. He'll get drafted. Um, Zach Charbonnet, obvious. Um, the rest of those depth charts, I mean, Justin Martin probably has the best chance at quarterback, and he's got a long way to go. I don't think Ethan Garbers, I think he's going to be a solid player. I don't think he's an NFL guy. Um, the Murphy Twins are going to be good college players. I don't know if they're NFL prospects. I'm not sure what position they play in the NFL. Um, defensive tackle, don't know. I mean, I don't know about Jay Toya. Uh, he's still got a long way to go. Um, the edge rush... 
Latu probably has the best physique for the NFL. Carl Jones has, I think, not been given the chance to shine, That, um, but I think he might get a shot. Uh, but we're not talking about a bunch of obvious names is my point. I mean, Devin Kirkwood, if you're going through the rest of the defense, is probably the, the next one. Uh, but if you remember the Mora years, I was just going to bring this up. Yeah. You would be, it was littered with NFL guys. And yes, some of them underperformed or, or the teams were not necessarily as good as the amount of talent, but there was a lot of talent. Um, Jordan Zumwalt was like the fifth best player on that defense. And he was drafted. Well, let's just do it. Let's just look. I mean, uh, on offense, you had, uh, at quarterback, you had Brett Hundley. Right. Running back, Paul Perkins. Right. Um, uh, the offensive line, there were... Caleb uh, Beninock, Alex Redmond, K- both played in the NFL. Scott, Jake Scott Brendel's Quis- playing in the NFL. Scott Quisenberry. Scott Quisenberry are, played in the NFL. Wow. Wow. I mean, on defense... Colton Miller. Colton Miller. Colton Miller. Eric Kendricks. Jayon Brown. I mean, holy Anthony crap, Barr. Man. Uh, uh, just Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark. Eddie Vanderdoes. I think Eli Anko is. Eli Anko is, is is doing something. Yeah. Uh, it's just and, and Fabian Moreau. Yeah. Uh, it's just they're they're just littered with That's NFL amazing. guys. Amazing. And, and then, then and wait, here's a big one. Kaimi Fairbairn. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Because scholarships doled out the, to specialists, baby. Let's talk about the kicking. Hang on. No, no, no. I, I, I have kicking. one one more yeah. point about Mora, and then I okay. want to. We got it. No, I want to spend some time on the kicking situation. Okay. okay. Uh, no, no, no. One more point on Mora. It wasn't just that, though. The NFL talent was a big part of it. The other part of it was, I don't know if they ever had a year where they were under seventy-five scholarships. I think they were always eighty or north. Uh, yeah. They were always filling up every year. It was big class after big class after big class. Because that is the name of the game in college football. You need big classes. You need quantity because you can never guess who's going to wash out, who's going to transfer, who's going to get hurt. You just need to take numbers. You don't, you're not, you're, you're selective enough. You make sure guys hit a minimum standard for you, whether that's grades, whether that's whatever, but you have to take mass. You have to take numbers. That's the only way this ship keeps working. And they have gone against that. Yeah. That is not ten, what they're doing. They are ten, trying to be assassins in recruiting and you need to be blunderbusses. Third year under Mora, ten and three, started the season ranked number seven. Uh some big wins. Uh, you know, beating Texas at AT&T Stadium. With Jerry Neuheisel. With Jerry Neuheisel. <laughs> Think about how talented the, uh, this is no offense to Jerry. I love Jerry. I love Jerry. Think about how talented the rest of the team had to be to pull that off. Yeah. Lost to the number eight ranked uh, uh, Utah. No, no, just lost. I'm sorry. Lost to Utah, 28 to 30, right? And by the way, 74,000 people in attendance. Uh, when they beat Memphis, 72,000 people in attendance. Uh, beat SC. If you remember that game, I, I distinctly remember that game. 82,000 people in the Rose Bowl. It was kind of misty. If you remember, 38 to 20. I, I mean, this is what you, this is UCLA, guys. It's loaded with, uh, you know, uh, we mentioned conservatively 10 to 15 NFL players. 
and you go 10 and 3 and 10 and 3 if you remember was disappointing was disappointing Yes. That's what this We is. all remember Nate Orchard sacking Brett Hundley approximately 15 times in that game yeah. against Utah. We all remember it. Yeah. Um, no, there's, there's, that's the reality is that you can recruit at such a level that 10 and 3 will be disappointing if you're doing this job right. Yeah. Um, that's, you, this is why, I, I, I've made this point before, but this is why when we were all talking about Chip Kelly, it's it's the given. The given was that UCLA would recruit at a high level. Like, that was what you were accepting. You're saying, oh, gosh, Chip Kelly with slightly more talent than he had at Oregon? Man, this is going to be awesome. Isn't that amazing that that's what, you would, that's what we all thought? Yeah. And honestly, if you took roster management out of his hands and just had let him coach the last four or five years, who knows what we'd be looking at. But alas... Um, one other thing that's UCLA tradition, Tracy, is handing out scholarships to specialists. <laughs> okay, Time-honored tradition. I'm going to go get some to drink. You can go off on this one. So this is yours. This is this is my problem, and I so I don't know. First, I'm just going to say I don't know why Nicholas Barmira missed a practice or two earlier this week. Um, but dude is taking first-string field goal reps and first-string punter reps. That's two entirely different ways of kicking. Um, especially at the high college level, like you're, you're having to do it a lot. Um, it's insane that they're asking him to do this. It's absolutely nuts. Uh, and watching him, I think it's obvious to both of us that he is a much better punter than he is a field goal kicker. That's um, the funny, that's the funny part. Like of he looks like an NFL punter or yeah. pretty close to it. Yeah. Um, but they don't have anyone else who can either punt or kick. Not one punter or kicker on scholarship. Yeah, and and no, and, they and, had, and they among had the walk-ons, scholarships to get. among the walk-ons, no one is ready yet. I'm, yeah. I'm going to say that kindly. No, yeah. there's not another one on the roster who can do it uh, right now. So, how are you in this position with 73 true scholarships? How how well, are, how are you in fun- position where you do not have a scholarship specialist? I think that reflects the short-sighted approach and attitude. It's so short-sighted. You, you don't you don't even want to go out and get some specialists for this season because you think you'll be okay. I mean, you could have picked up a, easily picked up a kicker in the transfer portal, a serviceable kicker or a scholarship kicker, freshman. Um, Yeah, this is, this is mind. uh, We don't talk about specialists as much, but this is amazing where, where this is right now. Um, Overall, if we're talking about it, if you're in year five, it should be a lot better. It just should be better. It shouldn't be, let's say it's a, let's say it's just a decent schedule, like a, a regular typical schedule. I mean, well, you know what, let's just, let's go back to uh, the schedule of 2014. Um, at Virginia, Memphis, and Texas, what would this team do? Would yeah. it go two and one or one and two on that? Ah, uh, God. So that was what? That was the year Memphis had started to become good, but they weren't yeah. quite good yet. Yep. So that was Justin Fuente. Um, yeah, one and two, I think. Okay. Uh, at Arizona State, which is similar to this season. Actually, this schedule, the conference schedule is, is kind of similar. 
Um, well, and if you go back to 2014 versions of these teams, I mean, first, the Pac-12, it's it's a little unfair. I'm just going to say that because the Pac-12 was up at that time and it's very, very down now. But yeah. yeah, I mean, if you, if you, I mean, there's, here's the thing. So UCLA, I'm just going to pull up SRS because this is the thing I like to use to compare seasons. UCLA last year, their SRS, which is the simple rating system, was 7.25. That's comfortably above average. Like you were a comfortably above average team. That compares uh, very well to the previous five years, um, but unfavorably to 2015 and way unfavorably to 2014. Yeah. Like if you took the eight and four team from last year and put it in 2014, they probably go something like seven and five, maybe six and six. Yeah. So it's not. That's where you kind of have to gauge based off of. Um, yeah, I was putting, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's basically putting this year's team up against that year's opponent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you say we played a bunch of ranked guys. I mean, Arizona was ranked, what, 14th? Something like that? And I, I would mean, guess this year's team for UCLA is 14th. going to be worse. Yeah. It's going to be worse than last year. So, I mean, <laughs> I think we're beating this one. But it should, uh, the bottom line, our takeaway, it should be better than this in year five. It yes, just, it just should. The roster should be better. It just should be better. They should be thinking about, uh, even with Utah, what it is, UCLA should be, uh, you know, really strongly considered to be a, a favorite for the Pac-12 championship in year five at Chip Kelly. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's just, it's so many pieces of it. It's the 73 guys who are true scholarships. It's the... Not having a kicker, not really having a punter. You've you've got Nicholas Barmira who's going to be asked to do both. Um, it's what's going on on the offensive line. It's the lack of offensive tackles. It's um, having to bring in so many transfers to start for you uh, in year five. Um, it's just so many pieces of this that. And, and, and the funniest part, Dave, too, is let's say you had decided. That for this year, you were going to use a transfer portal. In my opinion, even that personnel management was screwed up. At least one more tackle, right? At least one cornerback. Well, so one thing. So do you remember, what was the class? Was it 2020 where they took like 15 linebackers? Yeah. So 2020. You, it was like 11, but yeah, I get it. Whatever it was. Um, so that was uh, Damian Sellers. It was, I guess, John John Vaughn's counts. Um, it was Shea Bryant-Strother. Mitchell Gude, who's gone. Uh, Kenny Mestador, which I, I think we were calling an outside linebacker at that time. Uh, they J- called him a linebacker. Yeah, J. Max Jacobson, uh, Miles Jackson, Caleb Johnson, wow. Wow. Uh, Jake Newman, who's become a linebacker. Uh Yeholani Ross, uh, Jeremiah Trojan, Ja'Cory Price. Think about how many of those dudes are just gone. And that was an obvious yeah. one at the time. Why are you taking so many damn linebackers? Yeah. Um, you just It's just very curious and odd and, and um, inexplicable roster management from the very beginning. And however the narrative changes, oh, now they're a transfer portal program or whatever, it still continues to be odd, like the way they do the transfer portal. You probably need another very playable tackle, and you don't get one. You refuse one. Uh, what's going on there? Yeah. Just odd. Odd. Um, 
But I think there's enough optimism for this. I, I don't think this is mutually exclusive. Even if you want, if you're one of the people that wants Chip Kelly to be gone, the best scenario ahead for UCLA football is a successful 2022 season. I, 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 that's easily the best because Chip Kelly could then leave, which would make you happy. And the program would be set up to hire a better coach if it comes off a 10 and two season rather than a five and seven season. Right. So it's all upside here. And there aren't too many times in football and basketball when I think that there's all upside. Uh, watching Lavin in the last few years. Yeah, there, there was no upside to Lavin like winning and going to the sweet 16. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh God! Oh, Lavi, what he's doing down there in San Diego, too. God love him. God wow, love him. I think God has to. Yeah, um, somebody does. Yeah, but anyway, so all in all, we wanted to give you a dose of real fact and reality, but then also think that we we've been collecting a little bit of you know, I'd say some, you know, a little bit of. Like we're playing detective. We've got, you know, some clues. And it looks like this is the way this is going. So take away that you all should be excited about UCLA football going forward in the short term and the long term. Yeah. Um, Hoops? Uh, sure. Um, do you want to maybe talk a little bit about Mike Martinez? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so Mike Martinez news this week um, is that he is um, no longer on the team. Um, now, I don't know if we want to get into the reasons, but I'm just going to start with this. I wasn't necessarily counting on Mike playing a whole lot this year anyway. Yeah. Um, because uh, he did not look fully recovered from the injury this spring at any point. Um, they got him back out there. He didn't look super fluid um so i was kind of uh, uh, guessing that he was not it was at least not going to be 100 percent to start the year um I, it's a blow um to the run game from what he was at the beginning of last year but end of the day um i think chip kelly is right uh that tight end group is the deepest on the team and i think they're going to be just fine there yeah okay uh right now uh, UCLA has uh, UCLA basketball has two players, two prospects in on official visits. The Williams Devin, Eye, <laughs> Devin Williams, the six ten post player from Corona Centennial, who has been on his official visit since yesterday, uh, and will leave after today. And then Brandon Williams, the six seven forward wing uh, from New York, who came in today. Interesting, too. They usually say at Luskin Center, but not a good look to say at the Luskin Center today with the UC Regents meeting. It would be like you were in a police state, pretty much. So I think they're staying down at the W, uh, which makes it a little more inconvenient. You know, they got to drive down there and get them rather than they just walk. <laughs> but um, as we've been saying, we think UCLA has a really good chance of getting Devin Williams. Uh, we'll be trying to get a hold of him or get some contact through his people somehow now, starting right now. Uh, we're still feeling pretty good about UCLA getting a commitment from him. Um, 
Brandon Williams, we, we think that we'd be surprised if he pulled the trigger after the visit, but I, I think they'll, I would bet they'll have a pretty good chance from what I've heard, but it could take a while. Uh, the bigger news that I kind of dropped on everyone, and it just, it was really interesting. It was like, people just seized up. They could not get this. Not only because UCLA isn't leading for Isaiah Collier, but all indications were that USC was leading for Isaiah Collier. They could not, no matter what I said, they couldn't, they would dispute what I was saying. And this is not like I'm just randomly making this up as a fan. I am, I am saying this because I know this from really good sources. Okay, so yeah, I know it's hard to believe sometimes that USC might out-recruit UCLA in basketball, but that might be what's happening. In fact, uh, the post player, Isaiah Miranda, who UCLA was recruiting, uh, I'm hearing he could be leaning toward USC also. Um, now, there's always the chicken and the egg, like who stopped recruiting whom, but I think UCLA did stop recruiting Miranda just from a fit issue. So, of course, he's going to go to USC, maybe. So, I Tracy, mean, that's the way. Tracy yes, Dave. Um, yes, Dave. I've got a couple of thoughts and an axiom. Okay. Okay. Well, so, wait, one more thing. Just one more bit of news. Cody Williams is going to officially visit UCLA October 7th great. after he visits, officially visits Colorado, I think this weekend. And then, uh, where else? Uh, somewhere he's visiting October. I just updated his profile. <laughs> That's really bad. Where else is he visiting, Dave? Arizona, Oregon. Dave, talk to yourself. Oh, LSU, sorry. LSU. In late September. Um, Crazy. Dave. I understand that the West was quote unquote down yes. this cycle. Are you doing your devil's advocate thing right now? No. This oh, is okay. my this is my pure advocacy. Okay, cool. Um uh I would like, and this is no no knock on Mick, no knock on the basketball program, but I would like it if some UCLA donor created an invisible fence just west of the Rockies. Um, you know the kind that you have for like dogs in your front yard? Yeah. But it's programmed so to So if the, they try to get out yes, of it's But it's, it's programmed to the head coaches of the UCLA football and basketball programs. And it'll give them just a tight shock if they attempt to travel east of that uh, for recruiting purposes. Okay. What do you think? That's. I think that would sell. Yeah. The other part of this is I, I want an axiom. Which is, if a five-star from out-of-state visits your campus and he does not commit on the visit or shortly thereafter, you, you say, basically drop it. his ass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it's not going to happen. The further they get away from the visit, uh, good, because I'm assuming the visits are good, uh, then you're not getting them. Um, yeah. And that's, that was kind of the, uh, the, the thing thing I was thinking right after it happened with Ron Holland and Isaiah Collier and the, t the distance, the time has only reinforced that. Um, yeah. It's funny too, that people don't, everyone, I'm trying to get your minds wrapped around this. It's so hard to convey to a fan on the bro forum, what the world is that these kids and their families live in and trying to convey that is a very different when I, when I I'm trying to say to you, when I've heard Isaiah Collier cares about playing time, he, well, he's a one and done. He shouldn't care about playing time. He can beat anyone out. That's, that's not how they think. 
There are some guys who think that way, but a lot of them don't because they think there are politics involved. The coach could be show favorites towards someone. There are AAU team favorites involved. They feel it's a weird mentality of arrogance with insecurity at the same time. Um, they feel, oh, my kid's the best in the world, but we don't want any competition. We don't want anything to derail the fact that he's going to play 32 minutes a game. It, I can't explain. Everyone wants logic, and they and it's not logical. This is the way. That's just one element of how they think. There are so many. Well, what about UCLA's national championships? What about USC only gets 4,000 people? Uh, they don't generally care about that. They think they just need a year to showcase his talent, right? They, so playing time's important. Being in a major media market's important. All of that is the most important. Coaching, how the coach is going to just, and this is it. It's very rare if you don't get a, a one and done who thinks this. Coach is just going to hand him the ball and say, go, you do whatever you want. You make it all up as you go. That's what they want to hear. How many things did I just say that Mick Cronin won't do? <laughs> yeah. No, and it's there's there's a self, there's a good self limiting factor uh, for Cronin that I think is is going to it'll limit some availability of prospects, um, which I think is good. Um, there is an element of that where uh, he can be a tougher, hard ass kind of coach to play for, but that will get you kids who are interested in that um and i think andy anfield has done i don't re respect him that much as a coach but i think he's done a very good job of creating a program which is the counter option to ucla and mccronin yeah they're not they're not that so there's that piece and then the the, the thing with um um with ucla generally and this is the part that like I think every coaching staff, if it's going to have a significant amount of longevity in the job, needs to come to terms with at some point, which is the the name UCLA, the, the value in that in recruiting is not the number of recruitments you can get your foot into. Uh, the value is in its ability to secure what you're looking for in the West. Because as you just said with Isaiah Collier, uh, the whole national championships thing and UCLA having that storied history, it doesn't, it, it, and this is just generally speaking, maybe it means a little bit to him, but it just generally doesn't mean that much to that type of guy because yeah. for a lot of reasons, but one very notable one, he's not from here. Like yeah. this is not his region. Whereas with kids who grew up in LA, whether or not they knew about John Wooden, their parents maybe did, or their grandparents did or their family grew up fans, or they grew up watching Ben Howland's teams and got excited about that, or whatever. They watched Lonzo Ball. Um, but there's that continuity where they dream, oh, someday I'm gonna wear that UCLA jersey like those guys. Um, and that's the value. It's the same thing USC has in football, which is anybody who grows up in California, well, you have about an 80% chance of landing him if you go after him correctly. Uh, and I think the same is roughly true for UCLA basketball. Um, and that's the advantage. And yes, there are years where the West is down, which makes it much more apparent, much more paramount that you get all your evaluations in order. Maybe you have to hit the transfer portal a little bit more, but um, 
going broadly national um, just it so rarely seems to work out for UCLA and it's something all staffs need to learn and it's all that kind of stuff it just just so rarely works out and the few times it has it's been for extenuating circumstances it was the Shabazz Muhammad Kyle Anderson Tony Parker Jordan Adams uh, deal making Um, you know it's that sort of stuff which just you know it's it's same thing as transfer portal recruiting it's not sustainable at UCLA yeah, and the, the the people on the board that are saying, oh, time to, to really worry about Cronin's program. Um, dudes, he just signed two real major impact five-star guys. I, I, just one class ago. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, this is, that's just silly. A he lot of this is circumstantial. He just went to a Final Four a, a year and a half ago. A lot of it is what? circumstantial. A lot of it is the West was really down this year. Uh, but if you just go a year back, exactly right. Dylan Andrews, Adem Bona, Amari Bailey. That's a class. That's that's three real dudes. Um, and, and we got our boy. Your boy, <laughs> Abramo Zonka. Abramo Zonka, yeah, who counts. Yeah, exactly. I, I um, mean, it's just anyone saying that is just... I... I, I and comparing it to like Chip Kelly's program, if Chip Kelly had gone to the college football playoffs a year and a half ago, we'd all be going, he, he can do no wrong, whatever he wants to, uh, but you don't give Mick Cronin? I, I just can't even talk about it. It's just absolutely. Yeah. So, but I mean, if they sign a class of Devin in November, Devin Williams, Andre Stojakovic, who they're still leading for, and either Brandon Williams or Cody Williams, that's a gr- great foundation. If they need five to seven guys, those are the three high school guys they bring in. Those are multi-year players. But uh, seriously, all three are potential pros from what I've seen. But, but multi-year players that you build your program on. Those are uh, like the, you know, uh, the Tiger Campbell and Jaime Hawkins kind of guys. Uh, they'd still have a chance with El Marco Jackson and Michael Michael Nwoko too, but you have the, let's say you have those three guys. Uh, I mean, and God, if Cody Williams wants to jump on with Brandon Williams too, but that's your core. Then you go into the transfer portal and international recruiting. Yeah, I, I'm I'd be pretty satisfied w- with that. Yeah, so, yeah, agreed. I think that needs to be the priority at this point, and. Um, Figuring out some way to get Andre Stoyakovich to just stop and uh, commit would be cool. Yeah. Like I said, I heard he might. If he's going to take a visit, it could be Texas. Yeah. I haven't heard that he wants to visit Duke. So if you hear about the Duke visit, then it's time to maybe have a little bit of consternation. But, yeah. All right. Well, the gardeners next door insist on not stopping blowing the damn leaves everywhere so i don't know if that was the plane with a lawnmower on the back of it or well he was weed whacking and now he's been blowing leaves for the last five minutes <laughs> yeah they come right around where i sit in my house they the blowers come right around this window and just blow my head off it's yeah. so nice it's yeah. so nice oh he's mercifully stopped um oh, thanks you want to keep talking now or are we done well, do we have anything else to talk about? I don't know. I thought this was kind of kind of genius. Yeah, I think we were good. I yeah. think we nailed it. I think we okay. we we crushed it. We uh, we were killers today. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, for Tracy Pearson, 
I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, and we'll talk to you again next time. See you all.